0: This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, according to Saint Matthew. Jesus said to the disciples, Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do, in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. For those of us who love the game of baseball, this is a special time of year. It is when pitchers and catchers report for duty and the rituals of spring training commence. Small communities in Florida and Arizona are suddenly transformed into oases of athleticism for those weary from the cold and gloom of winter. Obscure towns with strange names like Kissimmee, Jupiter, Port St. Lucie, Clearwater, Surprise, Vero Beach, Fort Myers, Scottsdale, and Mesa instantly become hubs of hopefulness for players and fans alike, convinced that this year will be different, that maybe, just maybe, a pennant is in the offing. Even though we're hundreds of miles from such places, even now my imagination transports me to these emerald isles of baseball heaven, Eden, as it were, I close my eyes and feel the warmth of the sunshine beating down on my face. The scent of freshly cut grass mingles with the aroma of roasted peanuts, and the stillness of a lazy afternoon is punctuated with the intermittent sounds of maple bats cracking against balls wrapped and stitched in leather. The playing field, aptly called a diamond, to capture both its shape and beauty, is luxuriant but well manicured, an expanse of green circumscribed by the whitest and cleanest of chalk lines. The infield is a rich and finely groomed patch of clay, somewhere between a red and a brown in color. The voices of players chattering words of encouragement to one another echo throughout the ballpark. These are the sights and sounds and smells of a new season. Yet, as glorious as the atmosphere of spring training is, veteran players know well that the secret of the season lies somewhere else. The deeper truth of spring training resides in what wise coaches call a return to the fundamentals of the game. Spring training is about getting back to basics. Running wind sprints that fill tired old lungs with fresh air. Weight training to tone the muscles. It is a time for drills. Endless routines of throwing and catching, catching and throwing. The steady repetition of swings in the batting cage. Infielders taking ground ball after ground ball. Outfielders shagging flies off of fungo bats. Pitchers perfecting their pickoffs, base runners relearning the rhythms of the base paths. The real truth of spring training is in the discipline and purity of players returning to the very foundations of the game. I have always believed that God gave us the seasons of baseball, spring training, and Lent at the same time for a good reason. For Lent is the spring training of the soul. Like pitchers and catchers, hitters and fielders, all trying to recover the fundamentals of their game, during Lent we are invited to get back to the basics of the life of faith. It is a time of reflection, repentance, self-discipline, prayer, and perhaps most fundamentally of all, an occasion for remembering our complete dependence upon God for all that we have, all that we are, and all that we hope to be. We begin Lent today, always on the Wednesday, 46 days before Easter. We call it Ash Wednesday because of the ancient custom of placing ashes on our foreheads as a tangible reminder of our mortality. Remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. These are the words you will hear spoken shortly as our foreheads are marked with ashes in the sign of the cross. With ashes, we remember that without God, we are nothing. But ashes are more than a mere reminder of our mortality. Ashes are also a traditional symbol of penitence. It was common in ancient Israel for people to wear sackcloth and mark their foreheads with ashes, to express sorrow for their own failings, and to seek the forgiveness of both God and the community. The early Christian church in around the 6th century adapted this practice as a means of marking the beginning of Lent, and so Ash Wednesday was born. Thus, we put ashes on our foreheads to acknowledge that try as we might, our lives do not fully reflect what God intends for us. The mark of ash is a visible symbol of the regret we feel about the many ways in which we fall short. Verbally, we give expression to these feelings by reciting together, as we will in a moment, what we Episcopalians call the litany of penitence. As we say the litany, we confess that we have not sought a world of justice and peace like the prophet Isaiah reminds us we should in our first lesson, that our lives are too often about acquiring things, rather than sharing relationships, that we turn a blind eye to need and suffering, focusing instead on satisfying our own selfish needs, that we consume our earth and its resources rather than caring for them, that we have not loved each other as we should. By marking ourselves with ashes, We punctuate these words and own this brokenness. But the point of such repentance is not to wallow in guilt, just the contrary. The aim of such self-examination is to be liberated from that which imprisons us. For the good news is that God comes to those who are broken. He comes to those who seek his mercy. He comes to those who open their hearts and tell him their secrets. It turns out that what God wants from us is not perfection or moral rectitude, but rather honesty and faithfulness. If you want to see what such dark honesty looks like up close, I would invite you to go to an AA meeting. The one simple and unalterable practice at such meetings is that if you want to speak, you first have to acknowledge that you are an alcoholic who cannot help himself or herself. When someone gets up and says, hi, my name is Bob and I am an alcoholic, all conceit and pretense in the room evaporates. And when all those gathered together respond, hi, Bob, They are standing in solidarity with Bob's brokenness, welcoming him to a community of those struggling for wholeness. As Frederick Buechner observes in his little book, Telling Secrets, quote, while I do not believe that groups such as Alcoholics Anonymous are perfect any more than anything human is perfect, I do believe what goes on in them is far closer to what Christ meant his church to be and what it originally was than much of what goes on in most churches I know. End quote. One way to think of the ashes on our foreheads then is to see them as our first step toward recovery, the recovery of our wholeness, of our holiness, as we acknowledge to ourselves and to the world that we are, in fact, helpless in the face of our sin. But here again, there is good news. For even though we may be helplessly lost in our brokenness, in Christ we have already been found. This truth, too, is reflected in the ashes we wear, because they are not just any old ashes, but rather they are, traditionally, the burnt remains from the palm fronds that were used during Palm Sunday last year, the very palms with which Jesus' followers welcomed him into Jerusalem on his way to the cross. In this sense, then, the ashes that we press on our foreheads tangibly connect us to the last week of Jesus' life and to the passion story. They remind us that the Lenten path of repentance, forgiveness, and transformation that we today embark upon is one that leads to the cross. We underscore this truth by imposing the ashes on our foreheads in the sign of the cross, the same sign that was made on our foreheads in baptism. Thus, by being signed with ashes, we are both drawn into the passion story and also into our own baptisms, where we were anointed with holy oil in the sign of the cross and marked as Christ's own forever. Paradoxically, then, the ashes we wear today, simultaneously mark our mortality on the one hand and remind us of the new life in Christ that awaits us beyond the cross on the other. So once again, with Christians around the world, let us begin our season of Lent, our spring training of the soul with ashes, ashes that speak many truths about who we are and whose we are. With these ashes, we repent of our failures, yet are heartened by God's forgiveness. With these ashes, we participate with fear and trembling in the passion of the cross, yet are reassured that Jesus has gone before us and won victory over death. But perhaps most importantly of all, with these ashes, we are reminded that, as flawed and imperfect as we are, we are forever marked as Christ's own, his beloved daughters and sons. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us at htelc.com. And don't forget, you are loved.